Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 3. I want you to turn there this morning. And I want to share with you a message that is kind of funny how this has worked out. But I want to just take a moment before I read this the passage of Scripture just to say a big, huge thank you to Logan and Shelby who covered for us while we were gone last week and, and to Brother Eugene who taught our adult class last Wednesday night. Listen, I heard Shelby did a phenomenal job Sunday morning and I heard Brother Eugene did a great a job um, Wednesday night. So if, you have, if, you've been, if you've had an opportunity and you've missed for vacation or, or whatever you've been gone, check out our podcast because we've been talking about some, uh, some wonderful things and you'll be able to hear a great message from, from God. And, and, but this morning, I want to continue on the word of commitment. This has just kind of been going over in my mind over the last three weeks. And like I said, last week, Shelby shared an incredible, uh, an incredible message about getting up. And I want to share a message from you this morning with just simply one scripture found in Proverbs chapter 16, verses 3. In the New King James Version, it says this. It says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to share a message called Till Death Do Us Part. Last week, Shelby talked about a message from Mark chapter 5, verses 18, about the man who was demon-possessed and God healed him. But what I love about that story, and as I was listening to the podcast yesterday of her speaking and sharing that story with us, I was focused on the very end of that scripture that, that she talked about that day in Mark chapter 5, verses 18. And you don't have to go there. I want to read it to you this morning. It says this, As Jesus was getting back into the boat, the man who was demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him go, but said these famous words, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has, and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the people in Decapolis De how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. But here's what stuck out of me of that scripture is this is that the man was so excited about the life change that just happened in his life that he ran to Jesus as Jesus was climbing into the boat and he began to beg Jesus, Hey Jesus, let me go with you. I want to be your disciple. I want to go follow you. I want to go where you, wherever you're going. I want to go with you. I want to learn more from you. I don't want to stay here. I want to go from you. And Jesus very intently and very, you know, in a way that Jesus does, he looked at him and he says, No. And I don't know about you, but if I was that man in that moment, my spirit may have been crushed because I was so, I was so excited about the life commitment that just happened in my life that I wanted to go follow Jesus. But Jesus looks at him and he says, no. But then he says this, but what I do want you to do is I want you to go back to your hometown and I want you to tell others about what I've just done in your life. I don't want you to go with me at this moment. What you need to do is you need to go back to your hometown and you need to tell people what I've done in your life. You see, what amazes me about that story is the man didn't even have a name. He was known as the demon-possessed man. Right? So as he goes back to the community, guess what everybody says? Oh, hey, there's the demon-possessed man. 
They didn't know his name. The Bible doesn't tell us his name. It just says the demon-possessed man. But what I love about it is this. In that moment when he met Jesus, he committed his life to Jesus. But then he began to do what Jesus asked him to do. You see, commitment works, works both ways. It's not only committing your life to Jesus, but when God says to do something in your life, he means that you're committed to go do it. And that's what the man did. He wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to go get in the ship and follow the disciples. But Jesus said no. Why? Because Jesus had other plans for him. He was sent back into his hometown. Imagine that for a moment. How difficult it was. Because the Bible says that he'd been living among the dead. He was living in a graveyard, all chained up, with no clothes on. He was all by himself. And when he saw Jesus, the Bible says that he ran to Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus delivered him from demon possession. Not just one, but the Bible says a legion. In other words, there were many demons living in his life. And in that moment, Jesus changed everything about him. He wasn't perfect, but God changed everything about him. He committed his life to God in that moment. And then Jesus does this. Now I want you to go. And I want you to tell others what I've done in your life. That's every one of us in this room this morning. God has given us a plan and a purpose. But understand the very first thing that you and I have to do is this. Is we have to commit our life to him. We have to commit our life to Him. And once we commit our life to Him, we, Jesus begins to reveal His plan to us. Maybe not the full plan, but He begins to tell us what's next. He said, hey, now I want you to go do this. Now I want you to go do this. Now I want you to go share that. That's what He does. But before He can do that, we have to commit our life to Jesus. And when we do that, when we say, God, here's my life. I give it to you. I want to follow you. I want to be the person that you've called me to be. I don't want to be that person anymore, God, that I used to be. But when we commit our lives to Jesus, Jesus says, okay, now I've got your life. Now I want you to go do what I've destined you to do. You see, we don't, we're not just called. Listen, we're not just called to commit our life to Jesus. We are called to go make disciples. That's what, he's called. That's what the local church is called to do. That's what missionaries do, as we saw this morning. They go to a foreign land that they don't, they don't know anybody, and they begin to share the gospel with people in village, from, village, from, from village to village to village, in small villages and big towns. They just go, and why? Because they've committed their life to Jesus, and they felt the call of God on their life, and so they go, just like all of us. You may never go to a foreign land. You may never step foot in China or Russia or, or any other country. But what God has called you to do is this. He's called you simply to go across the street. That when you commit your life to Jesus, God says, listen, that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning. Now I want you to follow this plan. Now I want you to do this. Now you're going to find out what you've been destined to do and the plan and the purpose that you have in your life. You see, when we commit our lives to Jesus, just like this situation, there, there may be times where God says yes. There may be times where God says no. And there may be times where God says, I want you to wait. He may say yes, he may say no, and God may have you in a waiting period. I don't know. But what I do know and understand is this, is that if you commit your life to Jesus, whether he says no, whether he says yes, or whether he says wait, what do you do? You do what he says. If it's wait, you wait. If it's yes, yes. If it's no, no. Don't try to make it happen. If God says no, then it's, no, then it's a no. There's a reason why he says no. 
There's a reason why he says yes. Because there may be something that God wants you to do over here that you're thinking about over here. Well, God, I want to no, God says, no, I want you to go here. Just like this guy. I want to go with Jesus, but God says, no, I want you to go back to your hometown and I want you to share the gospel. I want you to tell these people about me, whether it be a yes or a no or a, or a maybe or a waiting stage. You see, many times we want to commit our thoughts and our plans to God before we commit our life. We want to tell God what we want to do. We want to say, God, this, God, this is what I want to do. This is my plan, God. But it doesn't say it that way in the, in the Scripture. King Solomon says there in, in, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, King Solomon says this, First, you commit your works. You commit your life. And then, he says, And then, trust that our thoughts and our plans will be established. You commit your life first, and then God will show you the thoughts and the plans that He has for your life. That's what King... But we want to... We have it backwards. We go, hey God, I want to give you my thoughts and my plans. And if that doesn't work out, then I will, I'll do my own thing. I'll follow my own direction. But when, when God says, listen, when you commit your life to me, what I'm looking for is 100% from you. Because when we give God 100%, I can tell you this morning that God will give his 100% to you because you are sold out. You're committed to him in your life. When we commit our thoughts and our plans to God before we commit our works, let me, let me say this. What if our circumstances change? What if we commit our thoughts and our plans to God without committing our life and then your circumstances change? How many know that circumstances change in your life all the time? Some of you have gone through things that you weren't prepared for. Some of you are going through things right now that you had no idea where it came from, but you're going through it. So circumstances change. But here's what I've learned in my own life, that even if my circumstances change, that if I'm committed to God, I don't have to worry about the situation that I'm in. Why? Because God's going God's to handle it. Why? Because I'm, I'm committed to Him. I'm not committed to the plan. I didn't, listen, I didn't go to God as a young man and say, God... I want to follow your plan. I, 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 I went to God and said, God, I give you my life. And then when I gave him my life, what did he do? He began to lead me in a, in a different direction that I thought I would ever go in. But I had to first commit my life to him. And just in a moment, we're going to see that in a young man in the Old Testament named Daniel. Daniel committed his life to God, but he also saw the hand of God in every area of his life. Why? Because he com not only did he commit his life, but he followed what God called him to do. And that's sometimes where we mess it up in our life. Commitment means that we, are that we faithfully serve God no matter what's happening. That's what commitment means. 100% sold out no matter what is happening in my life, I'm committed to God. I wasn't going to share this story, but I'll share it with you this morning. There was a time I was probably 11 or 12 years old. I had the idea that I was going to go play football. Who's laughing? What are you laughing for? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I rem listen, I remember going and signing up for football and going out every single day and practicing in the summertime and hot. And can I tell you, I know you're not supposed to hate anything, but I hated, hated it. 
I would come home in the afternoons and I would cry and I would, Dad, please, I hate this. Please let me stop. I don't want to do this anymore. He says, son, I'm sorry you made a commitment. You're going to see it through. You're going to play, you're going to see to the end of the, if you don't want to play anymore after the end of the season, that's fine. But you're going to see it through to the end of the season. And I was like, I don't like you right now. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted you to just, oh, it's okay, son. Sure, you can just quit. That's what I wanted to hear, but that's not what happened. But here's what I thought this morning is this. That we will commit to so many different things. Sports and all this other kind of stuff. And we will stick with it to the very end, no matter how difficult it gets. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, when it gets difficult and it gets hard, we're gone. But we'll, we'll commit in all these other areas. And we'll stick it. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm stick, but when it comes to our relationship with Jesus... We're gone when, when, the, when the waters get a little rough. But God says, commit your life to me. Commit your works. And then I'll show you my thoughts and the plans that I have for you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 says this. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever your hands do every single day, uh, work heartily at it as for the Lord and not for men. Remember that you're working for the Lord, not people. That whatever God's called you to do, whether it be a teacher or whatever, or stay-at-home mom or whatever God's called you to do, remember, you're not doing it for people. You're doing it for Him. And when you do it for Him, God opens up doors that you never thought He could open. Why? Because you're committed to Him. You're sold out to Him. You're doing what God's called you to do, no matter what it is. But commit your life to Him. Commit whatever it is that you do to Him, and God will use you. As you look throughout the Bible, men and women were committed to God, and even when their situations changed, they stayed committed to God. Situations change, moments change, circumstances change, but the question is this this morning, is what are you going to do when you're faced with adversity in your life? Are you going to com stay committed to God? Are you going to put your trust in God? Are you going to tuck your tail and run away? Because that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to run away. But God says, no, if you'll just stay with me, we'll get through this together. You won't have to be by yourself. You won't have to do it alone. But we're in this together. That when you committed to me, God says, I'm committed to you. To the very end. To the very end. So this morning, I want to, for just a second, I want to look at the life of Daniel. As you know the story of Daniel, Daniel, as well as many other young men, were, were taken into captivity. Their life, in other words, their situation, their, their, their circumstance was about to change dramatic, dramatically. Dramatically. I don't even know what that means. Dramatically. Their life was about to change. But here's what I love about Daniel. That when I read that story is this. Daniel didn't allow the change that took place outside of him to change what was happening on the inside of him. See, a lot of times what happens is we allow the circumstances that are around us to change us instead of sticking it out with God. But you see, Daniel's circumstance, everything was changing. He was taken from his hometown and he was put into captivity where he had to learn, have a new name. He had to learn a new language. He had to uh, do all this stuff that he wasn't prepared to do. But in that moment, you know, God used him greatly. Why? Because he was committed to God in his life. And when we commit ourselves to God, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad it gets, if we will stay committed to God... The sun will shine again. Now how dark it is in your life. It will shine again no matter how dark it may get. 
But Daniel was one of those men that he says, listen, I'm not going to allow the circumstances around me to change who I am on the inside because this is who I am. I'm a man of God. This is what God's called me to do. So I'm going to stay true to that, not what's happening on the outside around me. Too many times we see it when people's circumstances change or when things change in their life or they go through some difficult times, they turn into a different, a completely different person. You ever witnessed that before? Somebody that you thought was, man, just, you know, was, was a strong Christian and, and all this kind of stuff. When they go through a difficult time in their life, you're just like, dude, what are you, why are you acting that way? Why are you going through? Why are you being that way? I didn't, even, I didn't even see that in your life. But you see, when you go through adversity, adversity shows you who you really are. But it will also show you what you need to change. Because God says, listen, this is there. So I'm going to reveal it in your life. Why? Because I want you to change so it doesn't have to stay there. You see, we want to, we want to tuck it away somewhere far deep in our life so that we don't have to remember it. But there are times where God says, hey, I need you to do this in this part of your life. And it's like, God, I don't want to, God. God says, I know you don't want to, but trust me, if you will just do this, I'll be with you. I'll be with you through the very end. And Daniel was that way. Daniel did not allow him circumstances that were happening around him to change who God was in his life. Daniel committed his life first before he ever committed his thoughts or his plans in his life. I'm sure Daniel had no idea what was about to take place in his life or how much his life was going to change. But what I love about Daniel, and it sums it up in Daniel chapter 1, verses 8, it says everything that I need to know about Daniel right here in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 8. says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine that was given to him by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat the food that was unacceptable. In that moment, that's all I need to know about Daniel. That Daniel was determined. In other words, he made a deciding decision in that moment that I will not defile myself of whatever is happening around me. That stuff that is around me, that is in front of me all the time, I will not let that come into my life. Because if it does, then it will change the person that God's called me to be. He said, I'm not doing it. I will not do it. I'm standing on ground, on this ground today that says I'm not defiling my life and what God's doing in me just so somebody says so. You know what God's looking for? God's look, looking for people like Daniel that will stand firm and say, I will not defile myself of the craziness that's happening around me all the time. Because I know that if I do, that it will change who I am. I don't want the world to change me. I want to change the world. And that's what Daniel said. Daniel's like, listen, the circumstances will change, but I'm not changing for anyone. I'm going to be the person that God's called me to be. Will we stay committed in the face of adversity? You see, the purpose of the food and the, the change of the names and the education was simple. King Nebuchadnezzar, he had a goal that he was going to turn these young Jewish men into believers of him. He was going to get them to leave their God behind. He was going to get them to leave their culture. And what he was trying to do was to get them to pray to him. I'm, going to be, I'm now going to be your God. 
I've taken you away from the, your Hebrew culture. I've taken you away from that, all that stuff. So I'm going to turn you into the person that I want you to be. You're going to pray to me. You're going to worship me. You're, I'm going to be your God. That's what he was trying to do. But Daniel didn't allow that to happen in his life. He stayed committed to God in everything that he did. He was wanting to change their surroundings and hope that it would change who they were on the, in, on the inside. Who does that sound like? It sounds just like Satan. You see, Satan wants to feed you what the world has to offer you. He wants to feed you what the world has to offer you. He wants to educate you in the ways of the world. That's what he wants to do. Why? Because he's trying to indoctrinate you to get to, to where you will leave your God and come follow him. So if we allow that stuff to come into our life, it will affect us. It may not affect us immediately, but it will affect us eventually. Not only will it affect us, but it will affect others around us. Just ask King David. Just ask King David and what happened in his life. Something that he did, something that he, did, he made a choice to do, affected not only him, but it affected everybody around him and generations that come after him. That's what happens in our life when we allow the world to tell us what we're going to do. We, guys, we serve God. We answer to Him. We don't answer to anybody else. We answer to Him. God's called us to, to please Him, not please the world. But too many times we want to please the world around us instead of pleasing Him. And Daniel was like, I'm not pleasing anybody but Him. I'm staying true to who I am. I'm staying true to what God's done in my life. I will not defile my body of anything that God doesn't want me to do. And so he stuck to that, and, and we see how God used him greatly in his life. You see, you and I have to decide that. If we're going to live that way, are we going to live that way the way Daniel did? You see, we have to decide that. God can't decide it for you. Your parents can't decide it for you. Your pastor can't decide it for you. You see, that day Daniel made that decision. Nobody was making him do that. His God wasn't making him do it. His family wasn't even anywhere close to him, so they couldn't make him do it. Nobody around him was making him do what he decided to do. But what was in his heart was who he was. You see, we, you and I have to make that decision. The, the pastor of the church, he can't make that decision for you. Your parents can't make that decision for you. You can't make the decision for your kids to serve the Lord. You don't have that opportunity. You don't have that choice. They have to. But what we are called to do is to live it in front of them so that they will want that relationship with Jesus. We gotta, we gotta teach them right. We don't, we don't want the world to teach my kids. I want to teach my kids from what the Word of God says. And that's what we're called to do. Teach your children, teach your grandchildren of what who God is and what God's doing in your life. Don't let the world indoctrinate them. Don't let the world indoctrinate you. Let God and let God do what God wants to do in your life. We have to decide that. Daniel said that I'm not going to defile my life. In other words, I'm not going to pollute my life. I'm not going to stain my life of anything. I'm, I'm staying true to who God's called me to be. Daniel realized that if he ate the food of the king, that he would be pleasing the king and buying into what the king was trying to do. He said that Daniel realized that if I'm going to, if I'm going to eat this food, and I, I'm, I'm saying to the king, I, I'm buying into you and I'm following you. And Daniel said, you know what? I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. He decided not to do something that would defile his life. And what I love about it was this. Daniel didn't just make a decision not to do it, but he told the chief of staff why he wasn't going to do it. 
He, said, he, he, began to, he began to say to the, this is why I'm not doing it. He gave him a reason why. And a lot of times, you know what we do? We just say, you know what, we're not doing it. And we don't give anybody a reason why we're not doing it. Why are you not doing it? Because it doesn't line up with the word of God. My life is to line up with the word of God, not anybody else's life. So Daniel was like, listen, the reason I'm doing it, I'm not doing it for any other reason, except I want to be the person that God's called me to be in my life. And here's what I love about Daniel is this. Daniel made a big deal over something little. Daniel made a big deal over something little. I know a lot of people may look at that thing and, 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 and say things like, well, it's, it's really not that big a deal. It's just something that's small. It's, really not gonna, it's not really gonna affect me or why should I even bring God or why should I even bring church into this equation? Why, why, why would I do that? Daniel, Daniel made a big deal out of something small. Why? Because Daniel realized that if he did something small here, that later on he may do something big over here. And the problem is that we don't, we don't protect ourselves of the small things. And the enemy is coming into our life in certain areas, and he's polluting us. He's staining us in our life. Why? Because we don't make a big deal over small things anymore. We don't. We're just like, it's all right. It doesn't matter. It'll, it'll work itself out. What if it doesn't? We don't make a big deal over small things anymore. We don't teach our kids about this. We don't show our kids about that. We don't talk about dating we don't talk about sex in, our, in front of our kids. Why? Because, oh, my God, don't talk about that. Right? You better talk about it in front of them because if you don't, somebody will. And they will tell them things that you don't want them to know. It's your job, Mom and Dad. It's your job to protect your children. It's your job to make sure that you don't allow the little things to pollute their life to where they will later on do the big things. That's what Daniel decided that day. Everybody around him was like, Daniel, it's really not that big a deal, man. Look at this food. You mean to tell me you're going to give up steak and, and lobster and, and all this other stuff to become a vegetarian? Have you lost your mind, Daniel? But Daniel was like, listen, if I eat this, what I am saying is I'm not who God's called me to be. So I'm protecting my life of this little thing. So later on, I'm not involved in the big thing. Daniel did that in his life. He made a decision not to partake of something that was small. Why? Because he wanted his whole life to be available to God. He wanted his life to touch every area that was around him. And he wanted God to touch every area of his life. So he did not involve himself in something that was small. That others were like, eh, it's not that big a deal. Why not do it? The only way to move up in God is to be faithful in the little things. You see, when Daniel was faithful in the small things, read the story. Daniel progressively moved up. He got higher and higher. Why? Because he was faithful in the small things. He made a decision in that moment that I will live for God and nobody's going to tell me any different that I will be the person that God's called me to be. In that day, I'm sure that Daniel and his friends decided to make that decision that, you know what, there may be some consequences that we have to face. But you know what, we're going to make the decision no matter what the consequences were. You see, the, the, the chief of staff was, was worried. He was so worried that if the word got back to the king that Daniel and his friends were not eating the food that the king said that they should eat, he was worried about being beheaded. He was worried about his life being taken from him. 
But what I love about that story is that, that God changed some things in that, in that situation. That in that moment, God began to work some things out that even Daniel didn't even see. But when you commit your works to God, God always comes through in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13 says this, No temptation has, has taken over you except what is common to mankind. And God is, what's the next word? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. When you are tempted, when you feel that temptation come upon your life, when you feel like the enemy is attacking you, God says, listen, I will give you something that will help you get out of that. You just have to, you just have to do it. I will provide a way so that you don't have to go through that. Why? Because that's what God does when we commit our life to Jesus. So real quickly this morning, I want to give you three things that I saw in that scripture that really stuck out to me. Number one is this. When you commit your lives to God, number one, God gives you favor. You ever prayed that over your children before they went to school? God, give them favor. God, give them favor with their principals. God, give them favor with their teachers. God, give them favor with the leadership or even over teachers' lives. You prayed it over their teachers. God, give them favor, uh, you know, in situations. And that's what God does. When we commit our life to God, He gives us favor with other people that we never thought would ever happen. He gives us favor with people. Look at verse, uh, verse 9. It says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. In that moment, he, the, the official, the staff member, was so afraid of what was going to happen to him, but yet he still showed favor and compassion to Daniel. And he allowed Daniel to eat of the food that Daniel said, this is what I want to eat. He allowed him to do that. Why? Because he had favor and compassion on Daniel. When you commit your life to God, God gives you favor in places that you never thought you would see favor. People will come to you. People will ask about you. People will approach you. All that, Why? Because God has given you favor with those people. Why? How you live your life. Being committed to God, God gives you favor in situations. You see, God doesn't abandon us. He doesn't abandon us in that moment. He's standing there with us, just like Daniel. Daniel entrusted himself to God. And guess what? God came through. There was no doubt that this was a stretching moment for Daniel. Daniel was being stretched, but he still stayed to, his, to who he was. This is who I'm going to be. I'm not going to defile my life. I'm going to be this person. And God showed him favor. When we live our lives in a way that, uh, that we show that God is, is number one in our life, people notice and people show us favor. People show us favor. Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I've, listen, I've lived a life that, like, that I feel like God's coming in. Nobody's ever showed me favor. Nobody showed me a favorite word. Nobody showed it. Just keep living your life the way God's called you to live it. And God's word is always true. If God will do it for Daniel, what makes you think he won't do it for you? What's, what's the difference between you and Daniel? Nothing. Nothing except a young man who says, God, I will not defile myself of anything, even the small things. I will live my life this way because this is who you call me to live. God didn't abandon Daniel. He stood there with him the whole time because Daniel entrusted his life with him. Even in the situation that could have turned out bad for Daniel and his friends, God stepped in and proved to Daniel that if you will sell out to me, I will sell out to you. In other words, God looks at Daniel and he says this, Daniel, I've got your back. You have nothing to worry about. You, 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 took, a, you took a stand for me 
in a world where there's no godliness. It's all, it's all just crazy stuff that's happening around you. But Daniel, you took a stand for me. And guess what, Daniel? I've got your back. You don't have to worry about anything. You keep committing your life to me, and I'm going to show you favor in your life, and other people are just going to be mesmerized by how you live your life. Why? Because you've committed your life to me. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, it says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose, water, whose waters never fail. Psalms 5, uh, 5, verses 12, it says this, Surely, Lord, you will bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. Psalms 84, 11, For the Lord God is the sun and the shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. That if we will walk in God's way, if we, will, if we will be the person that God's called us to be, we will have favor over our life like we've never seen before. Because we've committed our life to Jesus. Number two is this. God gives us wisdom and He gives us knowledge. Number one, He gives you favor. And number two, He gives you wisdom and He gives you knowledge. Look at, number, look at verse 17. It says this. The, to these four men, God gave Knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. God gave them knowledge and understanding of everything that they needed to learn in that moment. He gave it to them. Why? Because they were committed to Him. How many need wisdom this morning? How many need knowledge this morning? How many need to know how to handle things in your life when they approach you? When your circumstances change, how, do you, how many of you guys know that you need wisdom and you need knowledge to know how to handle those things? We all do. And God says if we will commit our life to Him, He will give you favor, but He not only will give you favor, but He will give you wisdom and He will give you knowledge. Think about that for a moment. God will give those things to you because you gave Him yourself. So God's pouring into you just like you're pouring into Him. To know how to handle situations when they arise at work. To know how to handle family problems when they come into your life. To know how to do all these things. God says, I will give you wisdom and knowledge to know how to handle it. Now, they may not receive it, but I will give you the things that you need to share and speak into their life. Even while Daniel and his friends were being ingrained with the Babylonian culture, and they're learning this new language, and they're reading all this, this new stuff, God still had a way to reveal to them who the, what the truth was all about. You see, we don't see it much in our, in our area now, in the South. And God forbid if it ever does. But in our world today, there are things being taught in elementary school, in high school, in middle school right now that you never thought would ever be taught. And if your children don't know what the Word of God says, they will fall victim to a lie and not the truth. Raise your kids under Jesus Christ. Teach them the Bible. Read the Bible to them. Have them do a devotion life. Have them do a prayer life. Why? Because it's only going to prepare them for the time, if it ever comes, to where they're going to be taught something against what the Word of God says. Just like Daniel. You see, even in that moment, when they're being taught something that is not true, God can give them wisdom and knowledge to understand what is true. And what they're supposed to believe in and what they're not supposed to believe in. Not only our children, but us as adults as well. We need that. 
We need that wisdom and that knowledge for God to know how to handle things and know how to do things and how to live our life. And God says, if you will commit your life to me, I will give those things to you. I will give it to you. As I said earlier, situations change, but you know, are we going to remain faithful to God and be committed to God? Or is that situation going to change us? See, I remember when Paul pleaded with God three different times, and he says this, God, would you take this thorn from my side? This is getting crazy. I don't want it. I don't like it. And I, don't, I don't need it in my life. Would you take it from me? Three different times he begged and he pleaded God, and what did God say? My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, I know you're going through that, Paul, but guess what? I've given you wisdom, and I've given you knowledge to handle the situation. That even though you're going through it, I know it's tough. I know it's difficult, but you will get through it. You will know how to handle the situation. Why? Because you're following God and not your own flesh. And only God and only Paul, if it, Paul began to change more and more into a more uh, into more of a man of God than he was before. Ecclesiastes chapter two, verses twenty-six says this: To the person who pleases Him, God gives wisdom. He gives knowledge. And he gives happiness. Look at your neighbor and say, be happy. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand over to the one who pleases God. This is too meaningless and chasing after the wind. To the person who pleases God, God gives wisdom, he gives knowledge, and he gives happiness. And here's the deal. Happiness is not based on what you have. Happiness is based on who God is in your life. You may not have anything. You may not have anything, but you can still be happy. I've been in, I've, I've been, the first, uh, second mission trip that I went on was to Bolivia. Poor country. Kids have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Living on dirt floors, just no shoes, just, it's, it's just bad. But you know what I noticed on their face? It was a smile. They were happy. They were happy. They didn't have anything, but they were happy. You don't have to have the biggest house. You don't have the nicest car. You don't have to have a bank, bank full of money to be happy because happiness is not built around that kind of stuff because what happens if it's all taken away from you? What happens if your situation changes? Are you still going to be happy? Or did you put all your happiness in the things that you have instead of putting your happiness in Him? To those who please Him, wisdom, knowledge, and happiness... We don't listen. We're we're not called to seek after the things of this world. We're called to seek God and allow God to reveal his plans through us so that we can go into the community and be Jesus to those people who don't know who God is. That's what he's called. That's what's committing our life is. That's what it looks like. James chapter one, verses five, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. What else do we need? It's right there in front of us. If you lack anything, who are you asking? If you lack, who are you, who are you asking? The Bible says that if you ask God, God will give it to you. Maybe you're asking the wrong person. Maybe we're asking the wrong person. Who, who are we asking? Daniel was like, listen, I'm asking God. Because I decided early on in my life that I will not defile my life from anything. That this is who God's called me to be. And I don't care what my circumstances look like around me. That will not change me to being the man of God that God's called me to be. 
Who are we asking? What's going on in our life? God says, if you ask, it will be given to you. At the very end of that chapter, we see them standing before the king after they have gone through this diet. After they've gone through this diet, you know, and the Bible says, and I read somewhere that for about three years, this is what they did. So three years, or somewhere around that time frame, Daniel and his four buddies, they just ate vegetables. I've done it for 10 days, and I was ready to pull my hair out one time. I'm just telling you. It was awful. I hated vegetables so much. There's that other one. I said it again. I despise vegetables so much. I'm like, I'm not eating another vegetable in, in years because I've done this. But they did it, and they, were, they stayed committed to God. And look what the Bible says in verses 19 and 20. It says this. As they're standing before the king, the king talked to them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hanai, Mishael, or Azariah. So that, so that they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, look at the word, ten times better than the magicians or the enchanters in all of the kingdom. Ten times better than everybody. By doing what? Being on a diet? No. By committing their life to God. You see, it had nothing to do with the diet. It really didn't. The diet was a byproduct of a call that God had had on their life. God says, they said to God, God, I'm committing my life to you. Whatever you want from me, I'll do it. So God revealed this plan to them. And you know what? They did it. And guess what? They looked better than everybody else did. And they answered every question. And they did everything that was so cool in front of the king that he progressed them in his kingdom. Why? Because they were committed to God. He gave them wisdom and knowledge to know how to handle the situations that were in front of them because they had committed their life to God. When you commit your life to God, God will take you further than you ever thought that you could go. But the problem is, is you've got to get on the ship so He can take you. You've got to get on the ship so that He can take you. They, were, they, were, they had more knowledge than everybody else, and I'm closing. So, Ms. Karen, if you would, come on up this morning. You see, when Daniel decided not to defile himself, God began to, to do incredible things in their life. When we make choices, listen, when we make choices in the small things, God always promotes us to bigger and better things. And think about this for a moment. When Daniel was decided not to eat the food that was in front of him, not to defile himself of all the king's delicacies there. And the reason why he didn't probably was it wasn't cooked right or it was offered to idols. There were more to it why he didn't do, why he didn't eat those things. But if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, you see this little small thing called a piece of fruit that what? that introduced sin into this world, right? Adam and Eve had, knew no sin. They had everything available to them in that garden. But as the devil always do, does, he comes in and he persuades you to think a little bit differently. He begins to build the, bend the truth just a little bit. He begins to say things, well, you know what, it's, it's just something small. It's really not that big. It's really not going to affect your life. It's really not going to make a difference in your life. And that is a lie. Why? Ask Adam and Eve how difference it made in their life. They knew no sin. 
But the moment they took a bite of that little, that little thing called a piece of fruit, sin was entered, in, entered into this world because of them partaking in something small. Listen, sin is sin. Big or small, it doesn't matter. It's still sin. So if you're dabbling in sin this morning, you need to get out of it because it will affect you, but it will also affect your family. You may think it's something small. It's not small to God. The devil will tell you it's small, but it's not small because small things will lead to bigger things. Ask an alcoholic. Ask the drug addict. They didn't want to be an alcoholic later on in their life, but the moment that they took that first drink, they were hooked. Small things become bigger things. That's why God says don't partake of that stuff. Live your life differently than everybody else does because I've called you to be different. I've called you to be an example in front of these people, but the moment that you act like everybody else, you'll never make a difference in anybody's life. Small thing, sin was introduced in our world, and we're paying for it today. So don't tell me small things don't affect you because they do. They do affect you. You see, Daniel and his friends, they had this inner conviction that overcome the pressure that was around them. They had this conviction of Jesus. They had this conviction of God that says, you know what, I am not going to live that way. I don't care how much pressure there is around me. I'm not living that way. I'm not going to be that person. I'm being the person that God's called me to be. When we honor God with our lives, He honors us in other places. When we honor Him with our convictions, God gives us rewards. He gives us rewards. And the last thing is this. He gives you favor. He gives you wisdom. He gives you knowledge. And the third and final thing is this. God helps you stay calm when you're in the midst of a crisis. He helps you stay calm when crisis comes into your life. You see, if you look at Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he's having this dream. And there's no one in his kingdom that can interpret that dream. There's no magician. There's no, there's no enchanter. There's no sorcerer. There's no astrologer. Nobody can tell him what he's dreaming or what the dream means. And in verses 10 and 11 in Daniel chapter 2, it says this, The astrologers answered the king, There is no one on earth who can do what the king has asked. No king, however great or mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asked is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they don't live among the humans. So King Nebuchadnezzar got so furious that no one could answer his dream that he sent out a decree in the, in the community to kill all the wise people. He said, "Just go. There's no, they're no good to me, so just go wipe them out. If nobody can interpret the dream for me, if nobody has any of that knowledge or wisdom, just wipe them out. They're no good. And so a man named uh, um, Eric, a commander in the king's army, goes to Daniel, and he begins to tell Daniel the situation. But what I love about it in verse 14 of Daniel chapter 2, these are the words that, sp that stuck out to me when I read it. As he's listened to this information, as he's hearing about this crisis that's about to happen, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and with tact. In other words, look at me. In other words, Daniel did not go into freak out mode. 
You ever been in freak out mode before? I can tell you, I've probably been in freak out mode more than I've been on the other side. That when crisis comes into my life, there are many times that I don't handle it with wisdom and I definitely don't have it, handle it with tact. But in that moment, when everything, listen, he was a man that was supposed to die. The king had sent this decree out to go kill all of these men. But you know who could interpret the dreams? Daniel. Who was the first person that the, that the king's staff of, came and approached? Daniel. And it says there, it says that um, in, in, in Daniel chapter 1, verses 17, it says this, And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So in that moment, Daniel realizes what's about to happen. Remember, he's not in freakout mode. He's handling it the way he's supposed to. So he looks at the so he he goes to the king and he says this. If you'll give me time to pray, just give me time to pray. So Daniel goes and he gets his three friends and they come together and they have a prayer meeting. And Daniel says, "Hey, I want you guys to pray like you've never prayed before. I, we need the interpretation of the, of this dream because if we don't, we're going to die. And not only are we going to die, but other people around us are going to die." So you know what God does? He gives him the interpretation of the dream. So Daniel goes to the king and he interprets the dream for him. And guess what? The king lets him live, but he also progresses them in his kingdom. Why? Because he's committed to God. He's committed to God. What God is looking for is a church that is sold out to him. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a generation of people that's sold out to him. Not a generation of people that... And we've all been there. When we have a crisis in our life, what happens? We go into freak-out mode, right? Am I the only one that's ever been there before? Good. Then, Lord, help me. We go into freak-out mode. But God says, listen, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just rely on me, if you'll just wait for me, I'll handle it for you. And he did. Every situation that Daniel was faced with, God handled it. He gave him favor. He gave him wisdom and knowledge. But he also gave the interpretation for him to be able to interpret dreams. And can I tell you this morning, that was a big deal. Because his life was in that moment. And God protected him. God protected him because he committed his life to Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 31. I want you to stand with me this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 6 says this. It says, be strong and courageous. It says, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and He will never leave you, nor will He forsake you. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you face trials of many kinds... Because you know that your testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it joy. Really? You mean, God, i got to be happy as I'm going through this? Absolutely. Because what happens is you learn to focus on God and not the problem. And as you're going through it, your faith increases, which helps you to persevere when things get tougher. 
That's what God's called you to do and all of us to do is commit our lives to Jesus. God gave him favor. He gave him wisdom and knowledge. And he helped him to stay calm in the middle of a crisis. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Let me read it to you again. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Father, this morning, God, I don't know what's happening in their life right now. God, I don't know what situation they're faced with right now in their life. But I do know and understand this. The God that we're not the only ones who ever face trials and tribulations in our life. There are other people around us that go through difficulties, difficult times in our life. But the question is, God, how will we handle it when we're in the middle of it? Because if we handle it the right way, if we handle it like Daniel did, and we say to God, God, I will not defile myself of anything that's, that's not supposed to be there, and we commit our life to God, then God will do what God says He will do. So this morning, God, for whoever that person is this morning, that may be in a moment of they're struggling, they're in a difficult time, speak to them. God, maybe they need to recommit their life to you. That's the most important thing, God, that we can do is commit our life to you. And no matter how dark it may get, no matter how ugly it may get in our life, as long as we stay committed to you, Father, that we have that favor and we have your protection over our life. So every, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I ask this question to you this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus and you feel like God is tugging on you this morning, you've never made that commitment before, it's simply asking Believing and confessing. If you've never done that before, with no one looking around, I just want you to simply just lift your hand up and you can put it back down. Anybody? Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I've kind of walked away from God. I need to recommit my life to him this morning. If that's you, will you just simply just raise your hand? Or maybe you're going through a difficult time right now. And you just need somebody to pray for you. Will you just lift your hand up? God sees that hand. God sees what's going on in your life. Church, pray with me. Father, today I pray for that person that lifted their hand. God, there wasn't a person in here that says, God, I, I need to commit my life, or God, I need to recommit my life. So God, that says that everything is okay in our lives. But God, there is some struggles that may be in our life today that, that no one knows about. And God, there was a person that raised their hand this morning, so I pray, God, that you would begin to do what only you can do in that life. And God, if there were any others that, need, that just were afraid to lift their hand this morning, God, I pray that you would begin to work in their life as well. Because when we're committed to you, Father, sold out to you, God, you look at us and say, I will never leave you 
and I will never forsake you. So God, we are thankful for that today. God, I pray for every person. I pray for every family. That God, that in the next few days and months and years to come, that God, that you would, that you would birth something in this church, God, that we've never seen before. That God, that you would begin to lead this church, God, in places that we never thought that we would ever be able to go and reach people that we never thought we'd be able to reach. God, I pray for favor for every person in this room today. God, I pray that you would give them favor. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom. God, I pray that you would give them knowledge in their life, God, to know when situations arise and when situations change, God, that they will stay committed to you, that they will not run away, but God, that they will draw closer to you and and God, that you would help them to, to work out that situation in only, in, in only a way that you can. And lastly, God, I pray that you would just help us to remain calm and to have the peace that surpasses all understanding when things get choppy and rough in our life. So God, I pray for every person in this room. Thank you for your word that has been spoken to our life today. God, I pray that we will not just hear it with our ears, but we will apply it to our hearts. We give you praise and we give you thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, And everyone said amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.